0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we get some satisfying malicious compliance against the person that tells somebody to smile more. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, your job is done. I don't want you to do anything related to the project ever again. I work in technical theater design, and I was approached by a writer-producer to direct her show after I'd been recommended to her by a mutual friend. Let's call her Jane. Jane had been working on the script for a couple years, and it was her baby. The script was actually pretty good, and the cast she had already hired was awesome, so I agreed to do the job. The show had already begun rehearsals before I was hired, as the previous director had suddenly quit. After one rehearsal, I immediately realized why jane was an absolute nightmare she had no idea of what she was doing she had never produced theater and knew nothing about any aspect of live event productions blocking lighting design etc however she also wanted to control and micromanage everything a majority of my job ended up consisting of her freaking out about something i had done then me spending 20 minutes explaining why it had to be done The cast hated her, and she made every rehearsal miserable. She wasn't interested in watching the scenes to see how good the actors were. She would spend every rehearsal buried in her script and getting upset each time an actor missed a word, or said them instead of they, or other minor, easily fixable things. The only reason the cast stuck around is because this woman did have some industry contacts, and she was inviting them all to the show. She constantly bragged about it and said she would share all her connections with the cast so they could benefit from the show. About two weeks before Tech Week, I realized she hadn't hired a lighting designer, booth operator, stage manager, or anyone at all to run the show. She had been expecting me to do it all once the time came. I almost quit on the spot, but I ultimately stuck in because the cast was so great, and I knew the show would never happen if I left. She would never be able to do anything on her own. I ended up calling in a couple favors and somehow we got everything done. The show actually turned out great and the audience loved it. She had paid a guy to professionally film two performances and she really got great stuff on tape. After the show ended, the cast asked for a list of emails and numbers of the industry that was in attendance so their agents could follow up. Jane betrayed them and refused to share any info about her contacts. She said she didn't want them bothering people she knew. I was furious. So I sent her an email saying, you need to share that list. It's what you promised. You owe it to them. She replied, this is no longer any of your business. Your job is done. I don't want you to do anything related to the project ever again. Cue malicious compliance. One week later, she sent me an email. Apparently she was trying to raise funding to do the show again, and it entered the video she recorded into a prestigious online theater festival. The audio didn't turn out great in the recording. She realized that she didn't have any of the sound effects, the marked production script, the QLab show file, the projections, the blocking notes, nothing. I had done all the work and had all the files. She had never even asked to see them before. If she wanted to replicate the show, she would need these things, otherwise she'd have to pay someone to start from scratch. If she wanted to fix the audio, she'd need all the music and sound files. She demanded that I send her these things immediately. I replied, Per your previous instructions, I am not to do any more work on this project. My job is done. Then I deleted everything. She was royally pissed. Her realizing she had nothing tangible to remount her show almost made it worth two months of painful rehearsals. How much are you guys willing to bet that she didn't actually have any contacts in the audience? And that's why they went the whole route of, well, I just don't want you guys bothering them. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is, move all the furniture to get new carpet. I don't like moving, I've never not paid a bill on time, and I take decent care of things because I don't like living in a place that's a crap hole. My significant other is tidy and responsible as well. I'm the one who deals with things like leases in the relationship but he's happy to go along or push issues if needed. Because of this, we make pretty good and loyal tenants. So much so that our most recent landlord regularly praised us as his least annoying tenants. And during the pandemic, when house prices were going up, offered to sell us the house at a discount, more than he paid by a lot but a lot less than adjacent houses were selling, and we're still ahead at the current market. Anyway, 15 years ago, the place before this, I moved into an apartment with my significant other for about $700 a month. It was two bedroom and had huge closets. So big, I threatened to make a guest room out of one for my mom when she visited since I was pretty sure I could fit a twin bed in. That got vetoed. It was pretty decent but the carpet was some super cheap stuff that was only meant to last three to five years since they replaced it after every move out. No big complaints for the first four or so years. There were some roaches thanks to neighbors, but they dealt with it. And the water heater broke in the closet, but I didn't have anything too important there and they fixed the damage from that too. Meanwhile, the rent went up every year. Plus, there were added fees for upgrades. We agreed to pay for access to the new gym for a monthly fee. I got a shaded parking spot for a monthly fee. We got a cat and paid additional pet rent. Whatever, but I was up to about $900 a month by year 4. The fifth year was ending and the carpet was indeed looking a bit rough. I had paid myself to have it cleaned twice, but it was wearing. So when it came time to renew the lease, I mentioned it and they said they'd look into replacing it for me, so I signed. I did remind them a few times that year and so did my significant other. He got them to give us another carpet cleaning for free, but no action. End of year 6. This time I say we need them to replace the carpet and that I'll move the furniture from each room as they're ready. They verbally agree and I sign. No action. I remind them and they tell me that they can't do one room at a time. They can only do it all at once and I'll have to move out all of my furniture. They can rent us another apartment in the building that's for short term use for a couple of weeks for like $500. What? I know that's a lie that they can't do one room at a time. Not only does that not make sense, but remember when the water heater broke? It ruined the carpet in the closet, and mold grew since it took about two days to notice. They had come in and replaced the carpet only in that closet. Plus, they had verbally agreed. Got another carpet cleaning. End of year seven. New management. I told them about the prior years, and they made lots of understanding noises and said of course they could replace the carpet, given it had been so long compared to the other units. It was near a military base. Most tenants stayed a year or two. I wrote that on the contract, which they didn't like, but we all signed for another year. Rent is now about $1,100. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. So about a month later I remind them. Somehow I get the same story as the old management had that, sure they can do it, and will honor what's on the agreement that I wrote on it, but only if they do it all at once rather than room by room, and we move out all the furniture for a week or two. Um, what? This time I don't even get an offer to rent a second apartment to temporarily move into. I have no idea where they thought we'd magically store furniture and ourselves for a week. Try again later that same year. Same answer. I warn them if we have to move all of our furniture out to get new carpet, we won't be moving back in. Nearing the end of year 7, the lease renews in February, renewal in January, December, my significant other starts looking at houses for rent. And we start checking them out on weekends because why not? We find a nice 4 bedroom for only eleven fifty a month, $50 over my current place for close to 2 times the space and spent a few weeks moving in, and guess what, it has brand new high quality carpet. The last day to renew our lease or give move out notice comes, we give notice. We and the cat are already sleeping at the new place. Immediately I get asked why we're leaving and what they can do to make us stay. I bring up we've been here 8 years, and the last 3 we were promised a new carpet, and ended up being told I could only have it if we moved all the furniture out at once. They had the gall to claim they were under new management again and hated to lose a good tenant that was one of their longest. They would knock some fees off the rent and would absolutely replace the carpet, sure. Pretty sure they'd have to do all that and a lot more to get a new tenant in. I told them we'd already moved most of the furniture out, would finish by the end of the month, and they could do the carpet whenever they'd like because I no longer cared. They even gave me an offer in writing a week later that included two months free on the next lease. But we were already very much enjoying our nice new place and happily locked into a lease there. As promised, if we had to move all the furniture somewhere else to get new carpet, we would not be moving back. I only wish I'd made and kept that threat sooner. As time goes on and I become a bit more frugal with my money, I begin to realize more and more you can't let that kind of thing go on for too long. I mean, just the fact that OP was able to find a place with two times the space for $50 more a month. It's nice being locked in and comfortable somewhere, but I feel like due diligence wasn't done here. Our next story is, talk to every rejected applicant? Well, of course you may. I work in a recruitment capacity for the military, not the U.S., I like my job, for even though I'm bodily impaired, I can serve in an important position. In my line of work, I interview a lot of great, highly motivated and skilled people. Unfortunately a lot of strange individuals are drawn to the military too, and it's my job to weed out the worst for the safety of everyone else. Enter my new boss pre-corona, his promotion is, among other things, dependent upon filling open positions quickly and producing few complaints. Before inviting applicants to an interview, we usually do a thorough background check and screening of CV. So one of the first decisions he made was to veto each and every screening rejection without even looking at it. He has no background in HR or psychology and so held firm on this, despite being advised that this would cause our complaints to rise. Unsurprisingly, our rejections in person rose and the complaints of the rejected applicants did too. So his next decision was for us to bring every disappointed applicant to him to calm down, for he thought he would be better at it than trained psychologists. Let me add that I'm known among my colleagues for being friendly and courteous. If I get a complaint, you can bet it wasn't because I've been rude or didn't try to exhaust every option. Having four kids myself and years of work experience in HR, education, rehab, psychiatric and forensic settings? I can get along with people of all walks of life respectfully. You wanna see every reject boss? Every single one? You got it. The racist jerk I found on pictures of illegal demonstrations sporting swastikas? You bet. The drunken guy that reeked so badly I became dizzy just being in the same room? Come along, pal. The very loud and very angry convict who was on day release from doing a sentence for grievous bodily harm at that time? Absolutely. The dedicated homophobe? Sure. Brought him to my boss's office right away where a big picture of his husband and himself were prominently displayed. The blubbering depressive who couldn't stop crying and had her eyes swollen shut and snot not hanging on her sweater? I sure did. And I might have used the opportunity to revisit that budget cut for office tissues. It took only a couple of days for my colleagues to follow my lead as I shared how helpful the chef's input was not arguing with the applicants myself got me a lot more time for coffee and how magnificently he stopped the complaints against me we're talking about two to four people a day took half of his workday every day orders changed again after two weeks no more talking to the boss after that and no more vetoing our screening choices we got along splendidly ever since Hey, at least they were willing to get involved and actually try to help in this situation. There's some credit to be had there. Our next story is, I was told to smile more, so I did. A few years ago, a group of 3 coworkers who always talked to each other called out to me as I was about to leave my cubicle at the end of the workday. I don't regularly work with them but knew their names from meetings and email chains. One of them said, Hey OP, you dropped something. I said, Oh, what? I'd been concentrating on something. Your smile! All three of them were looking at me and smiling themselves. Ah, okay. I nodded and they walked past me. I ran into them a few minutes later outside the building. I decided I'd smile brightly this time and look into each of their eyes. Happily, but like, turned up to eleven. Either I'd fool them or creep them out, probably the latter, and either was a win for me. You're smiling now, one of them noted as we crossed paths, and I chirped back at them Yes, I am. Have a good one, as I passed them while walking to my car. Then I went back to normal afterwards. Anyways, I hate being passive-aggressive, except in this case, I gave them exactly what they wanted, and they never asked me to smile again after that. I could only imagine having a long, boring day working in a cubicle, having to then turn around and deal with somebody going, Where's your smile or you dropped your smile? It is so incredibly annoying to me, the concept of, Oh, come on, lighten up, where's your smile? While you're in the middle of an eight-hour shift of paperwork, grey-wall, cubicle boringness. Yeah, I'm really about to bust a smile out right now. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another absolutely awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left.